You're listening to What It's Like with Luce, a podcast highlighting ordinary people doing extraordinary things. I'm your host, Lucy Norris, and on today's episode, I'm chatting with founder and CEO of Huckletree, a company building co-working hubs and communities across the UK and Ireland. Growing up in an entrepreneurial household, this week's guest knew from an early age what it would take to create a successful business. However, despite studying the subject at university, it was the world of film that first caught her eye for which she moved to New York to pursue. Coming to the realization that becoming a working actress was perhaps an unrealistic career for the ambitious entrepreneur, she decided to leave it and the city behind and pick up her life back in London. She didn't leave America with nothing though, as during her time there, she discovered the concept of co-working and had an idea brewing ever since. Enlisting the help of her co-founder once settled back in the UK, she set to work drawing up plans for what would soon become Huggletree, her very own collection of co-working spaces with an emphasis on supporting innovation and cultivating communities. Sharing how she did it and everything in between, here's what it's like to be Gabriella Hersham. Before we get stuck into the episode, I just wanted to say that if there is a drop in sound quality throughout, I'm very sorry, but in respect of social distancing during COVID-19, I've had to record episodes remotely. In this challenging time, we're all trying our best, so I really hope everyone is staying safe and that you enjoy the episode. Welcome, Gabby. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me today. Um, To get the ball rolling and to get into the conversation, I like to ask people if they wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about um, your experiences growing up and maybe how that shaped the future that you now have in um, entrepreneurship. Sure, I love that question. First of all, hi, good morning. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to speak with you. Um, I think for me, I, um, I grew up in a, in a very entrepreneurial household. Um, so my father is an entrepreneur, my mother who, um, my parents separated when I was eight years old and my mother was always a, a very um, kind of very hardworking single parent. Um, and I think just seeing both of them and seeing their work ethic really um, gave me an understanding of what it meant to go out there and build your own business and what, what, what it takes, what goes into that. And so um, because you grew up with such a strong sense of entrepreneurship around you, um, what was the motivating factor behind taking that step? And and I know you studied business in university, I think. Um, So how come maybe you didn't branch off on your own at at 18 when you left school to, to go down that path rather than going into structured education again? Look, it's such a good question. It's really interesting because actually, you know, I do a lot of the hiring for Huckletree myself. And one of the things that I've realized is that it isn't all about secondary secondary education. It isn't all about which universities people went to. And for me, um, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I left university. And it wasn't how it is today where anyone can kind of conceive of starting a business and going off and kind of doing your own thing. So going into uh, university gave me, I think, you know, a good project to put my mind to for the next sort of three years before figuring out what it was that I wanted to do. And even once I left university, I still wasn't sure. And I went into the film industry um, and it was just serendipitously from the film industry that I came across the co-working concept. So that, that was kind of my route. Yeah, I think it is so interesting. Um, and I think university is such a great place to have this 
it's, it's like a mixture between having freedom that you didn't have in school, but also still having that security blanket. So it's not so scary in the real world. And you can take that time to figure out what you really want to do. A hundred percent. And I think, you know, the, the, the many benefits of, of university include the people that you'll meet, like the people that I met at my university. Um, on a social level, I made some of the best friends of my life. But on a, on a work level, um, a lot of the people that I was at university with, I've brought into my work life with Huckletree. You mentioned there that you went into the film industry in New York when you finished, which it's um, it's such a an interesting step from what you studied at school. So can you tell me a little bit about the motivation behind that and what it was like to just uproot and uh, move to New York to pursue your acting dreams? Well, first of all, it was really fun. I mean, I think that's a dream, you know, just being able to do that in itself was amazing. Um, and I had an incredible time. Um, I, I, I'm a kind of massive film fan, always have been. I, I love watching movies, especially independent films. And so trying to go into the film industry and trying to do something creative within that industry came quite naturally to me. But I think I soon realized that, especially in front of cameras, which was what I was trying to do, you have to be really lucky. You have to be in the right place at the right time. You have to know the right people. Um, and I didn't, I wasn't happy with kind of leaving my life in somebody else's hands, so to speak. And I just kind of remember being on the phone to my mother every day with, with quite a bit of anxiety saying, am I doing the right thing? What am I doing? I love uh, filmmaking. I love acting. I love films. Um, but what are the chances that I'm actually going to be able to earn a living out of this? And my mum, you know, was always very supportive. But I think there came a moment in time where I thought to myself, you know what, I I just can't keep plugging away at this. I don't know how many years of my life will will, will go into it before, you know, I, I, I kind of become successful. Um, and so I decided to make the switch. And I know that um, that experience ultimately led to, to what you're doing now in, in Huckletree. But what was it like for you to go through that acceptance of, you know, what you thought you wanted to do with the rest of your life wasn't going to happen now? And maybe you had to be a bit more realistic. I don't know if that's the right term, but how did you feel at that time when you did have to make that change and leave behind what you thought you were going to do? It's a really good question. It wasn't actually for me that I uh, said to myself, okay, I'm going to leave the film industry and and had Huckletree in mind to to do. Um, I think I kind of made the decision subconsciously a couple of years before starting Huckletree it was a bit of a work in progress. And I think these things often are like, you know, I think it's, it's very similar to relationships. You can be in a relationship with somebody that um, may not be the, the best or the most healthy relationship for you. And you may know in your mind that you have to leave. And often we wish we would have met somebody else that could kind of pluck us out of that relationship and into the next one. Um, but the reality is that life isn't like that. And you just have to make decisions and stick to them and not really know where you're going to cut out. And so it was a, it was a hard one to make. Nowadays, co-working is such a buzzword. Um, it's really trendy. Everyone's into it. But when you first started in 2014, when you came up with the idea, no one really knew what it was about. So can you give me a little bit um, of the backstory into how you did come up with that concept or not concept, but um, the idea to create your own version of the beginnings of co-working? Yeah, so it's exactly as you said, when I came across co-working um, for the first time, which was in New York, we had no idea what it was. Um, remember, this was like 2007 in New York, 2008. Um, and most people at that point, you know, there were obviously, you know, entrepreneurs around and people kind of starting startups, but 
by and large, most most of my kind of um, classmates that I graduated university with went to work in in large corporations, and that was kind of what you what you aimed for when you came out of university. So it wasn't this like startup world that we're la- we're now living in and we're now very familiar with. And so co working spaces weren't um, commonplace. And when I came across them in New York, I um I just loved the concept. I loved that you could. Um, meet lots of different interesting people and businesses that you could potentially collaborate with. I loved that you didn't need to be um, isolated if you were working in a small business. You didn't need to be, you know, just um, confined to the kind of social limitations of of the the company that you were working for. Um, Very quickly became quite passionate about the concept. And I mentioned earlier that my father is an entrepreneur. So my father's actually a property entrepreneur. And so when I moved back to London, I kind of had the um, naive belief, and it was naive, but I'm very happy that I that I had it, that I could start a property business myself and that I could figure out what it would take to kind of go into getting a property business off the ground because I'd kind of grown up with, in this world. Um, and it's interesting because it ties into a kind of belief that I have that you know, if entrepreneurs are aware at the beginning of the journey of all the things that they just don't know, nobody would ever start a business. And so the fact that I had that kind of naive belief that I could do it, I think I'm really grateful for and I'm really happy that I had because I would never have started it otherwise. So you were obviously in New York when you first became interested in this idea and, and I guess first started to think that it was something that you could do too. So um, why did you not stay in New York and set up there? Why did you um, end up coming back to London to do it? So it's actually, um, I was kind of alluding to a toxic relationship. Um, and I was actually, I was actually simultaneously exiting a toxic relationship as I was exiting the film industry. Um, and when that relationship ended, I decided to move back to London. And, and I'd been in New York for five years already at that moment in time. It kind of felt like the right moment to come back home, um, be with my family, not pay. I could, you know, benefit from just moving back into my, my mom's place so not pay, you know, a fortune in rent every month. Um, and I, you know, at the end of the day, I am such a London person and I always knew that it was kind of where I wanted to be. So it just, it, it made sense at that moment to move back to London. And then equally, you know, as this concept of this co-working business was kind of forming and, and, and taking shape in my mind, you know, London would be the place that I would be most likely to be able to get it off the ground in. I think a lot of people, especially now with being an entrepreneur, Um, I feel like it's something that's so trendy and social media has bigged it up to be, you know, the best way to live your life. But I'm sure it is so difficult to actually take that idea from a piece of paper to a reality. So can you talk me through maybe the initial stages of how you did go about um, taking something that you thought would be a really cool concept to bring to London, but actually, you know, finding your locations and bringing it to life in that way? Definitely. Um... And I think just just as a starting point, you're you're so right. I feel like, and I, I love this, and I think this is incredible. But over the past sort of ten years, um, becoming an entrepreneur has has you know become akin to having ten fingers, yeah. and you know everyone seems to have you know a business of their own or a startup, and entrepreneurship is so commonplace. And I think that's really amazing that you know our government here in the UK um, has been so proactive in, in helping that and obviously in 
in countries uh, around the world as well. Um, and it's a great thing for innovation and for the, for the advancement of the world in general. But, you know, obviously you do see a lot of startups that fail and a lot of uh, would-be entrepreneurs that think that the idea of having their own business is much more glamorous than it actually is. It's obviously, you know, the most grinding thing that you can that you can do. And, and I often say to people, if you don't like the idea of working for little to no pay um, and taking no holidays um, and working night and day for the next few years, don't start your own business because that is what it looks like. The thing for me was when I started How Cool Street, I really, I, I didn't, I was okay with all of that. I was okay with the grind. Um, but the thing that I didn't know was I didn't know what it took to get the business from an idea in my mind into a business that was about to launch. I didn't know how to go about raising money. I didn't know what I needed to bring with me to those investment meetings um, in terms of kind of investment materials or financial projections. Um, I didn't know how to formulate a pitch. I had no experience in kind of any areas of, of business, having only really worked in the film industry. I just, I kind of felt stuck for a long time. And, and very lucky, fortunately, I had my now husband and my brother around me who were always supporting me and trying to help me kind of, you know, advance the idea and progress the idea. But it still took me two years to go from like, this is an idea that I have in my head to um we've raised the money and we're going to start this business and i think that is why i feel really strongly that entrepreneurs shouldn't have to kind of waste that time that i wasted and actually there are so many resources out there now that can really help you figure out if your business is a really good idea and opportunity or not in a very short period of time and then get it up there running um and with traction as quickly as possible and we've launched a couple of um a couple of products at Hackletree off the back of that. So we've got a um, educational program called Renegade Academy, which is a five uh, five working day program to help entrepreneurs kind of get their startup um, ready to raise capital. And it's essentially everything that I didn't know in those two years compacted into um, five working days. But it took me a really, really long time to figure out what I needed to know. But you also said that you have uh, a co-founder. So um, when was the moment that you felt that you wanted to, to take someone else on to help you with this in, you know, um, a partnership capacity? And how did you go about finding that co-founder? So funnily enough, I always knew that I would need a co-founder. I actually started the business with a friend of mine from university who was the person that kind of helped me um, make he kind of made introductions for, for fundraising because I would never have been able to kind of have access to um, angel investors without him. And that didn't, it didn't work out. We worked together for a couple of years. It didn't work out. And then I was introduced to Andrew, my, who's been my co-founder ever since um, for the last sort of five to six years. And I, it was never, I was always very aware that this wasn't a business that I was going to be able to build alone. And I always knew that I needed a co-founder. And that was very apparent to me right from the get-go where I didn't know how to raise how to raise money or who to go to to raise money. Um, and then in, in kind of later months and years, it became more about, okay, I need somebody who can um, handle the investor relations side of the business, somebody who can uh, handle the fundraising side of the business, obviously a process I'm also involved with. But and the, and the real estate, the property side of the business, you know, as a CEO, you are involved in all of these areas, but 
you have to be able to focus on your strengths. And I think I've always been very aware that my strengths lie on the kind of people, culture, innovation, product, um, creative side of the business. Um, and that I would, I would be able to build a much more sustainable business if I had somebody that I would partner up with who could kind of lead on the other sides of the areas of the business. So Andrew and I have been working together for, for kind of five, six years and, um, I'm very, very grateful for that. Was it ever difficult for you to to hand over a little piece of, not even hand over, but share, you know, your great idea with someone else? Did you ever have a moment where you kind of felt that you did really just want to do it on your own? No, never. Absolutely never. I always felt that I would rather build it with someone and, you know, perhaps have the potential of building a successful business than try and think that I could do it all myself and risk failing um and I never felt that I would be able to do it by myself or that I would want to like I think you know you really underestimate how much support founders need emotionally and if I hadn't had Andrew next to me all these years and hopefully he would say the same thing to bounce ideas off to just you know sense check things with to um pick me up when I'm feeling down and vice versa to cover me on the days where I just emotionally can't handle it because that happens um then I just I just don't think that the journey would have been half as enjoyable so yeah I never it was never something that I wanted to do alone and actually I'm very vocal on the fact that I feel that um entrepreneurs should have co-founders yeah I can definitely imagine it being a pretty lonely world um starting this this massive thing all by yourself not having anyone to turn to 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 ask questions or bounce anything off of when you get stuck so um it's great to hear that from the get-go you had kind of recognized the problem that i've heard from speaking to other people about um entrepreneurship in general but the other thing that i love about huckle tree is first of all the branding and i want to know how you um came up with the name in the first place but also the different design concepts in each workspace it looks so cool and inviting you know and um i feel like it's really a space that would inspire creativity just because of um you know the colors and the way you've designed um the workspace so how did that come about was that a plan initially you know to draw customers in to make it really cool and fun or um how did the whole i guess aesthetics of the brand come into play well, we've always been very focused on, like you say, like, you know, bringing creativity to life in spaces by virtue of just making them really interesting, exciting spaces that don't look like your typical office. And I think we try and push those boundaries with every new space that we that we build or that we do. Um, there are loads of offices and kind of workspaces out there that, you know, look beautiful, but like a lot of other offices. And I just think, you know, in everything that we've tried to do over the years, it's always been about... Um, how can we do this different? How can we do this in a way that it hasn't been done before? Like the world doesn't need another generic workspace. And I really believe that. So we've kind of lent that ethos to our design. Um, and then the, the name about Huckletree, and it's really funny that you asked this question because actually um, I was having this conversation just last night with one of my best friends who's an entrepreneur and she's about to set up her second or third business and she's we're kind of brainstorming names for her. Um, I said to her, look, when I, she's having trouble figuring out the name and it is a really hard thing to do. I think it's, it, it's, it's very hard. And it's not like branding where 
you can kind of once you've got the name go out and like mock up a logo and put some colors together and it really doesn't matter because they're going to change mm-hmm. and you know don't spend a lot of money on branding in the beginning because that that brand is going to have such an evolution once you launch and forever after but the name is something that you kind of you know hope doesn't change and you want you want that name to kind of stand the test of time so a lot of pressure goes into finding a name that works and you know there are practicalities like you want to find a name that you can get a .com for that you can get the IP for that hasn't already been trademarked um etc so it's it's a very stressful part of the kind of entrepreneurial you know the early stages of the entrepreneurial journey um for us we didn't want a name and i think it's really good to kind of when you're when you're trying to figure out the name of your business think about the i want this and i don't want this i didn't want a name that had the word office or um work in it um and i i did want a name that was a word that i'd made up I um, and I wanted it to sound creative but literary, playful but serious. And I kind of loved the word or the name Huckleberry Finn um, from the Mark Twain books. And I just I don't know. It just kind of one day came about. You know, it's funny because I I do love the name Huckletree, but then sometimes when I actually stop and think about it, I wonder like, is that the name that I would give the business now if we were starting the business again today? I'm not sure. But um, I love it. I don't I know. Really cool. I, do you like it? Yeah. yeah. I just, I just don't know. You know, I don't, I don't know if I would, and I haven't really had to give that too much thought. But um, it, it's worked. It's worked for us. And and look, at the end of the day, I just, I just didn't want a name that like did what it said on the tin. I wanted something a bit more creative. So it does that. You do go out of your way at Tree to um, create that sense of community for any members that you have signed up or um, entrepreneurs that work there. So um, can you kind of tell me a bit about why that did become such an emphasis for you and um, your initial ideas as to how you could maybe make it that little bit step further than just somewhere to come and do your work? Um, Really good, really good question. I think as I was kind of mentioning with the branding being something that would, would be in a kind of permanent state of evolution, you know, as the business kind of goes through its life cycle, I think um, many areas of the business will, will, will likely do the same thing. And I think, you know, one of the things that has stood the test of time for us throughout has been our, our kind of principles. And although they've maybe taken on slightly new wording, the kind of core ethos of our kind of principles of the business has been there with us since, since we launched. Um, primarily that we are um, curating our communities, that we're building themes in our communities, and that we are going to be adding value to our member businesses. And I think, you know, that's something that we always knew if we're going to be building this business and launching a workspace business, we want it to be true to these kind of core areas. So it's just, it's something that we identified as a need very early on. Very early on, we realized that entrepreneurs needed to come together to um, be able to change their industries and our worlds. Um, to do so in, with with kind of each other for support around them and so it's just been something that we have just been true to since the beginning and and have felt very passionate about I think the other thing that I can imagine would be pretty hard to combat and maybe you don't find this but when you are starting something and it is your own idea um but it is you know filling a gap in in the market but it is in a market um that has other people 
doing similar things to what you're trying to do as well. Um, that element of comparison, um, how do you, as a founder, combat that or not let it creep in so that it impacts, you know, on your steps moving forward? Um, how do you not shy away from competition, I guess, and make sure that you're just doing what you're doing? I think that's a really, really good question. Um, one thing that has just kind of enabled us to visibly stand apart from our competitors is just by doing our own thing and not focusing too much on what they're doing. Um, and I think that in doing that, it has set us apart. I'm not saying that we're a better business, like I'm not making that comparison. I'm not, you know, I definitely don't know the financial situations of all of our competitors, but I know that we're just, we're doing our own thing. Co-working uh, businesses are a dime a dozen and you need to be able to show that you're different and that you're a different uh, business in a, in, a, in a kind of industry of a crowded industry. Um, that's really helped us, I think, in, in that regard. Um, so I think, you know, I guess my biggest advice on that would be don't listen to your competitors. Don't, don't, don't focus too much on what your competitors are doing. Listen to your customers. Go out and speak to your, you know, for us, it's our members. What do they want? And a lot of the products that we've built have been direct results of listening to our members and identifying and understanding what we could build that could help them. The other thing, you're a mom as well. You've created this huge successful business. How do you find that work-life balance? I know that's the million dollar question because everyone struggles with that, I think. But for you, what, what's been your experience in navigating that change of lifestyle? So another really good question. I, um, I, have, two, I have two kids. I have a four and a half year old and then I have a little baby who's turning one next week actually. Um, and so I think, you know, had you have asked me this question pre-lockdown, I would have given you my kind of standard answer. Um, and I, and I, I would have felt like, you know, it is very hard to balance a growing business and being a mom because at the time pre-lockdown, I was always kind of rushing out of the house, not seeing my children in the morning, rushing back home for bedtime. Um, and really like trying to put my phone down on the weekend so that I could spend as much time with them as possible. And I found it really hard back then. And what's really funny is kind of six months later, how much I wish that that was my problem. And that was still my problem because actually what I realized is that lockdown as a parent is totally different from lockdown when you don't have children. It's just a completely different experience altogether. Um, and one that I probably couldn't describe accurately enough for um, for people who don't have children yet. It, it has genuinely been, and I'm not a complainer, I'm not someone that likes to, you know, magnify problems at all, but it has been extremely, extremely challenging. So I think just, you know, my mind has been made to realize actually, yes, it is hard at any moment in time, like running a business um, when, you've got, when you've got kids at home or indeed just, you know, being a professional with children in the background. Um, but I think that's just been so highlighted and uh, impacted with, with lockdown. I just, I cannot wait for, for the schools to reopen. <laughs> and I think I'll never, ever complain again about being an entrepreneur and a mother. I'll just be so happy that my kid's back at school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. And then just touching on the lockdown situation for you, do you think that um, 
the virus and, and that experience of everyone working from home and all that kind of thing will impact how you were going forward or what was the the impact of that on your business? So it's been, um, it hasn't all been rosy. Obviously, you know, we've been kind of fighting to help our members, to help their businesses, to retain them as members of ours. And I would say that that, that fight has kind of taken up the majority of the team's time over the past sort of five months. I think one thing that we have realized that we kind of had a hunch about before, but we never realized how true um, that hunch was, was that when you have communities that have been built around a theme and that have been built from the ground up and they really are communities rather than workspace, um, that is hugely valuable. And so I think we've been quite fortunate in that compared to the kind of industry average, we've managed to retain a lot of our members, which we're, which we're massively grateful for. Um, I think looking forward, we're probably quite likely to see a lot of people working more flexibly, you know, maybe with a couple of days remote working and a couple of days uh, in the office every week. And we're all up for helping to accommodate and promote that balance. And I think it's about time that the world realized that remote working uh, is a thing and it's a good thing and it can work. Um, and that's a, that's a learning for all of us. So we're very here for those conversations. And so I think for anyone that's listening or for anyone that's familiar with your brand or you as um, a founder, it's really clear to see that you have definitely experienced success in your career thus far. So I'd be really interested to know if you do have a personal definition of what the word success means to you. I love that question. I think it's a great question. I think it's, it's so important because the definition of success will be different for absolutely anyone that you ask. I think for me, the definition of success is freedom. It's freedom and it's a sense of I'm doing something that is beneficial to the world around me. And I think, and I was only speaking about this with one of my team members earlier on today when we were speaking about how busy we've been over the past few months and actually how much we prefer it that way because at least we know when we're busy that we're contributing to the world. Um, but I think if you're contributing to the world around you and you are able to earn a living off of that, for me, that is the definition of success. I do just have one more question and I will let you go because I know I've kept you for a while. But um, if I put your 10 year old self in front of you today, having been through everything you've been through both personally and um, career wise, what's the biggest piece of advice you'd give that 10 year old self moving forward in life? I'd say to that 10 year old girl, don't listen to um, anyone when they make you feel like you can't achieve things. And there were so many moments in my life where people said things to me or about me that made me feel like I wasn't capable. Um, I remember I had a tutor when I was trying to get into a secondary school who told my mother in front of me, if Gabby gets into this school, I'll eat my hat. And those were the exact words that she said. Um, and I've never forgotten them. And there are so many moments in life and it doesn't matter who we are, um, there are so many moments in life where we hear these stories and we witness them and they stay in our minds and they, and they make us feel incapable. And I think my advice to my 10 year old self would be for every time you hear someone saying something to you or about you that makes you feel incapable, use those words to spur you on and use those words to make them eat their hat. 
so to speak. <laughs> I love that. Um, well, thank you so, so much, Gabby, for chatting to me and for letting me pick your brain a little bit. Um, it's been so interesting to hear your story um, and all of your words of wisdom. So thank you so, so much. Amy. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed chatting with you as well. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, please rate, share, subscribe, and leave a comment if you like what you hear. And don't forget to follow at What It's Like Pod on Instagram and Facebook. To find out more about what Huckle Tree has to offer, visit the links in the show notes. I'll be back next week with more inspiring stories. But for now, this has been What It's Like with Luce.